Hello, it's Cha, and you're listening to the Thursday edition of Run the Play. You know, the podcast is about sports, sports, and more sports. Eh, football and basketball primarily, but we also sprinkle in uh, some other sports that makes, you know, big-time headlines, because we big-time around here. Uh, Obes is not here today, so it's just me, and uh, let's see what we got up first. So Kurt Goldsberry of ESPN put out an article uh, the other day ranking the absolute best NBA shooters of this decade, right? The 2010s. And the first thing I thought after looking at this list was, damn, the, this has been a long 10 years because I completely forgot, like, how much, like, in the, in the first half of the decade, like, Dirk Nowitzki was balling and, like, uh, Chris Paul was balling, you know? Um, cause also, and also on that list, the bottom of the list, like JJ Redick and Kyle Corver. And I'm like, damn, I forgot y'all, y'all boys be shooting, shooting, you know, but top five was, um, is, I should say, uh, Steph, KD, LeBron, Clay, and James Harden, you know, it's an impressive list. Like, and everybody, the, the reasons behind everybody being like where they're at is just a little bit different. I mean, Steph, I feel like self-explanatory. I mean, I mean, the boy... <laughs> The boy, let me look at his shot chart right fast. Look, the boy averages, honestly, averages like 45% from behind the arc. He averages about the same amount behind the arc as he does inside the arc. And then obviously in the paint, he averages like 58% shooting. So it's ridiculous, all right? It's ridiculous. It's like, like when he shoots from the corners, it's like shooting a layup. It, it, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, that's self-explanatory. I feel, I feel like you put like step number one, it's like, okay, yeah, duh. Right, duh. That's that's probably best shooter of all time. I ain't even close. Well, man, I don't, uh, whatever. Now James Harden. So James Harden, when you look at his shot chart numbers, like it's 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 about average, right? You see, like the, uh, you know, he shoots mostly from behind the arc or in the paint, like in terms of frequency. Like rarely shoots mid range jumpers, which I missed the, the James Harden mid range jumper. Some people don't remember the mid-range jumper, his mid-range, but he, he he used to do this thing where where he'll, he'll he'll cross you up, get past you, and then put put you on his hip and then stop, you know what I mean, and then pull up and shoot it, and like half the time you foul him and be like an and one. It was just some, it was just nasty. People forget about that. People forget that he could do that, you know. But anyway, I digress. So the thing is, like, it, it's it's not like he's like a forty percent. Uh, three-point shoot. He's like 36, 37% three-point shooter, which is really good. But it's not like Steph Curry or like KD or anything like that. What puts him on this list is his efficiency and his volume with his volume, that paired with his volume. Because he shoots, the past like three seasons, he sh- like shot like nine to 11 threes a game, which is like, I, I believe is like the most in the league or up there with the most in the league, if not the most in the league. But then he's averaging 37% of his threes. Wow. So, like, other people who are shooting, like, who have, like, a high three-point percentage, it's typically paired with, like, maybe shooting, like, six threes a game, you know, five threes a game. He's shooting 11 threes a game, averaging 37%, which is ridiculous. And, he, and like, and, and what's also ridiculous is that he's been able to 
increase his volume over the years while maintaining that same like percentage. So it's like so his points go up, his volume goes up, but his efficiency has stayed the same. And that's not that's not something that you can say about really any player I can think off the top of my head because most players when they increase their volume, the the percentages go down. You know, so it's like that's really like that's really what puts him like ahead, like in my view, like ahead of like a lot of the pack. It's just not just that he that he he has that step back, not just that he he gets you on that he gets you on his hip and can just drive to the like basket like really anytime he wants to. It's really his efficiency, you know. But it's also the fact that he has like the most unassisted threes in NBA history. Like I think I I feel like you can count on like one hand the number of times he was assisted uh, last season on the three point shot. So literally, it's just like he's coming up and he's creating a shot whenever he wants to, from wherever he wants to. Now, my, now, the big I think what really puts him at number five and not higher up on the list is all those boom and bust games, you know? Because there are there, it's like while Steph Curry is very consistent, I feel like he's a very consistent three point shooter. Like James Harden is like, and this is something Obi said in the past too. James Harden is somebody who one night he'll go off and like shoot 10 from 11 from behind the uh from behind the arc and the next night he might shoot like 2 or 15 you know very boom or bust type of player and it's it's one of those like okay if he if he was like more consistent like maybe he's like higher up on the list just because like maybe you put him above clay just because of this the ability just to create your shot from anywhere and that that's that's what makes him to me a deadly weapon you know, but I guess this is not like list of top ten players. It's just top ten shooters, and uh, at the end of the day, like you know, what I'm saying he is the unguardable, but he's not the pure. He's not like the pure three point shooter that like the KD, the Steph, and the Clay is. I wish he was though. That player would not be fair. That that would be the best plan, like best player in the league. Even though he's arguably like top, he's no, he's top five player in the league. He's top five. But it'd probably be the best if he if he shot like Steph. That'd be that'd be ridiculous. But you know what else would be ridiculous? Steph Curry and uh, Mike D'Antoni's offense. That would be. I I want to. I'd love to see that. I would love to see. That. Oh man, just letting Steph just shoot like that. Also, way too early NBA preview. Rockets and six. Pick a series. It don't matter. So I have a question for the world, for the listeners. Is the NCAA starting to crumble? Is it starting to lose its power? Is this, is this the beginning of the end for the National Collegiate uh, Athletic Association? Is that what it is? The National Collegiate Athletic Association? Is that what it stands for? I hope so. I hope so. I'm not looking it up because F the NCAA. Is this the beginning of the end for them? I say this first and foremost because I just read this article or kind of perused it. From Adrian Wojnarowski, Wojnarowski, the Woj. I always mispronounce his name, so just gonna keep it at the Woj. All right. He releases an article about how the um the National Basketball Players Association officially sent like a signed letter, um, rejecting the um, NCAA certification proposal. You know the one where, you know, uh, you had to be. A certified, I think it was a certified agent and with a bachelor's degree and all these other sort of arbitrary, there's a bunch of arbitrary rules that they had put in place in order for you to talk to 
um, collegiate basketball players, right? Specifically those who were who were on the fence about leaving and wanted to test their draft stock and stuff. Not talking about the people who are foregoing the eligibility to enter the draft, but those who are considering the draft and want to talk to agents and want to see where they stand and ultimately either leave or come back. So they they officially rejected the proposal. Like it was like you know you know initially we heard about um like Rich Paul and all these other agents sort of like um sort of having outrage about it and then they initially you know NCAA to sort of appease that they took out that language about needing a bachelor's degree, and then now we see the NC the um, MBPA officially say nah we ain't rocking with it. So you have that. You have what we discussed last week about the California Senate bill, uh, was it 206, passing, which allows, uh, just to rehash that, which allows college players, actually, no, so not just allows college players to make money off of their likeness, but it prevents, it prohibits by law uh, um, academic institutions from taking away their scholarships, taking away their um, eligibility for profiting off their likeness. So while it doesn't require the schools to pay the players, which is what we ultimately want is for these schools to pay the players, it does prevent the schools from taking away the the, the players' ability to get an education, the players' ability to um, play on a national stage if they so happen to profit off of their likeness. If they want to go out and 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 uh uh get a sponsorship for you know whoever or give lessons in whatever sport, they're allowed to do that now. You know? Now, to be honest, it's 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 just a to me it's just a first step. But that was something that NCAA really tried to push hard on and and the California legislation just called their bluff. I mean <laughs> Not only that, they voted on it unanimously in both the Assembly and the, the State Senate, which is like, I don't know how often that happens. I, I guarantee it doesn't happen very often, especially in a state as big as California. Uh, and it was unanimous in both uh, houses of the of state Congress. So it's like, that sort of sent a message that, one, it's like, People are not backing down from the NCAA anymore. Like those two incidents to me is like the, all all of those things I, I mentioned happened all this year, and it's just like people not only not backing down, but they're challenging the NCAA. Like you see now, more states are sort of starting to draft up similar bills to SB two hundred six in California. Like I know South Carolina's is drawing up something, and so it makes me start thinking: Is the NCAA starting to crumble? Because, I mean, the first thing that happened, really, what I can see is, like, if you think about it, if something like SB 206 had happened, mm, let's say, 10 years ago, 2009, there would have been the outrage would have been across the media, the outrage would have been amongst the fans, and the NCAA doesn't even have to do too much. You know, NCAA can just, just, just put out their opinion that we're against this, and you'd have all these fans, you'd have all this media backing them, supporting them, da-da-da. What I've seen in the media is definitely, I don't want to say a takeover because I don't think it was necessarily calculated, but a lot of prominent figures in sports media, you think like Bomani Jones, Max Kellerman, Stephen A., Pablo Torre, um, you know, uh, 
what's my man out down in Miami? Highly questionable. Golly, Dan Levitard, you know, um, you know, what I'm saying like a lot of these cats, they are for paying college players. They don't shoot. I mean, Stephen A. had a whole rant about how how anti-capitalist it was, though, or uh, it was both. Very capitalistic, but also anti-capitalistic, the whole NCAA system. But I digress. They're very against it. Um, as opposed to like 10 years ago, you would have a lot of media, a lot more media members that were openly for not paying players. So that's I feel like that's one is that NCAA doesn't really get the media support that it used to get. That you actually have a lot of the most of the big time sports people coming out against not paying players. Then you have the fans that are growing. Um, that have grown sort of indifferent to like to payment scandals. Like people are aren't that this stuff is not really making headlines. Even the way like 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 I, I think of the Richard the, Richard Pryor. I think of the 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 Terrell Pryor story uh, when he was selling some of his paraphernalia, some of his like uh, rings and stuff to get some a few some dollars here and there. You know, and that was a big deal. That was that happened when I was in high school. That was a big deal. Stuff has been happening like that in the past couple, like couple of years. It doesn't really make headlines. You had this whole scandal that involved the FBI um, and college basketball. Um, like, uh, not just boosters paying players, but it's also like like Adidas. You know, like actual companies plant, paying players. That didn't really make headlines, you know. And then, and then with that, though, I, and, I, and I, I wonder what wish it is. Is it that the media... Is because the media doesn't really care as much. Is it them really not reporting it as 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 viciously, and then like the fans aren't really hearing about it, and that's why the fans aren't reacting the same way, or is it the fans that are growing increasingly indifferent? But either way, I think the result is the same, in which like people like people aren't people like the the outrage is no longer there, regardless of what the cause is. The outrage is no longer there, and I think the NCAA in part was relying on that when they were bucking at California's legislature, when they were putting such um, strict language in the in that whole um, old college um, basketball players can test the waters. I think they were counting on that, and that's no longer there. So now that, now that they don't have um, collective outrage on their side, all they kind of have is just words and bluffs. Because like at the end of the day, the NCAA doesn't really have that much authority. Is all, all they have a name, right? They have a name, and people have been afraid of that name. And as people grow increasingly less afraid of that name, what does the NCAA have but an arbitrary championship game? At the end of the day, end of the day, like like think about every year. It's like they they pick the four four teams from the Power Five, right? There's a chance that two of those teams might come from the SEC. So now there's two spots left for four conferences. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In that scenario, it's gonna be it's gonna be two conferences that are pissed off, and a bunch of teams in the other two conferences that are honestly the other three conferences that are probably going to be pissed off too. They probably because they probably black like, over, oh, but we deserve to be in there too. Why does this one loss team get in, but we didn't get in? We, and we didn't have no losses. And that's not even to mention the group of six that doesn't ever get uh, into the national championship game. You see, you could probably make the case for UCF, but I digress. 
what does the NCAA actually have? Because at the end of the day, the conference championship game, to at least to me, means much more, matters a lot more than whatever championship you play. Like, my whole thing is you should win your conference. You should focus. I mean, unless you obviously, unless you, if you're Alabama or Clemson, it's one thing. But if you're not those, those type of top-tier teams, you should focus on winning your, your conference and then winning that bowl game. That bowl game is just icing on the cake. That bowl game is just like, to me, it's just like a, it's it's a glamorous game. To me, it's like win or lose a bowl game. It's it's that's something that's just for me. It should just be about the players. It should just be about just going out to like let's say you're in the Rose Bowl, going out to L.A. and just chilling, having fun, having a fun game. It's that's what it should be. That's what, that's what it should be. When you win your conference, you go to like a, a dope bowl game, you have fun. You know what I'm saying? Almost like a Pro Bowl type thing, but like you know a little bit higher stakes. So like, what, the, what what does the NCAA have? They don't have anything. They just have words. They have names. And so once, and I just can't wait until, like, I I just can't wait until people just start breaking away from the NCAA. Like, you know what? It, it, ooh, I just thought of this. You think about how the SWAC and the MIAC were cold in, like, the 60s because of segregation, right? And... It was finally just like it, it was you saw teams like the the non like black conference schools in the north, like the Big Ten, were like the only ones that outside like the MIAC and the SWAC who were recruiting recruiting black players. That's why like Michigan State was so cold in like the late fifties and the sixties, because they had all those black players. It's not that black obviously it's not that black players are inherently better at football, <laughs> but it's that when you have a talent a this large talent pool and you limit yourself by only recruiting white players, you're not going to get all the best players. That's that's just, you know, just the simple simple statistics. So you, you think about that scenario where eventually it was just like people saw the benefit of doing this other thing and started doing this other thing, which was, you know, recruiting black players. I wonder if we see a similar thing where it's like, okay, for us to stay viable in California... Maybe we should consider breaking off and starting our own league. You know what I mean? Because because like because the NCAA is trying to say, oh, this, that, and the third, which the NCAA would be foolish to. Let's say the NCAA isn't bluffing, and let's say they are gonna basically restrict what those California schools can compete in. Maybe they're like, you know what? Forget the NCAA. We're gonna start our own league. We have enough talent in the state of California. We have the fact that you can you can make money as a player. You know what I'm saying that that's sort of a recruiting incentive, and we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of televisions in California. You know what I'm saying a large market to potentially sell this product to. Why don't we just have our own league? You know, and potentially and and I know uh, Andy last week was talking about you know having basically a new Pac-8 type of thing, but to me potentially it's like okay, well if if like those California schools would make up the most of the of the Pac-12 if they could convince the other members of the Pac-12 to also break off and say, you know what, we're we'll we're just gonna compete among we're gonna compete amongst ourselves and we're gonna have our own championship. And maybe at first it's like whatever, but what if other schools? But 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 what if they're profitable? What if other schools see, oh damn, they were they still profitable, and they don't have to follow the NCAA or NCAA's arbitrary rules. 
they can do other stuff to get the best players. They can openly be like, we're going to pay you this salary or we or, or we we going to give you this as a, as a signing bonus. You, you, you sign with us, we're going to give you a new car. We're going we gonna to make sure your mama's all right. We're going to do, you know what I'm saying? We're going to do this, that, third for you. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Maybe we have another another big movement like that where it's like like out of necessity, out of just, just needing to compete. Because at the end of the day, these fans, these boosters, they want to win football games. And they'll do whatever it takes to win football games. So if that means going to the state legislature and, say, and saying we want this passed so that we can continue to compete, or even just being like just pressuring the school and say, yo, we wanna, we wanna, uh, we want our conference to drop out the NCAA too, or we wanna as a school to drop out this conference and go join the the the, the California league out there, or whatever it is, you know. I like that I that that theory of of the um, death spiral that um, Andy Schwartz had mentioned. You know, I really do. I really, I think that's a possibility, because it's either that. Or is the NCAA just like folding on itself? You know what I'm saying? Because because where like to me it's either that NCAA is bluffing or is bluffing, and they eventually have to just continue to give up more, give up more, give up more until they really don't have any power left, and it's really just the a true nonprofit organization. Or they aren't bluffing, and the, these schools, these boosters at these California schools, eventually just gonna do their own thing. And they're gonna pressure the schools to break away from the NCAA and say, man, f- man, f them. You know, that's what I see happening. But y'all, let me know what y'all think, cause that's that it's. I, I'm I'm really curious, cause I, I'm seeing more. Like I feel like this year I've just seen more and more of just like just people bucking at the NCAA, and I love it. I love it. So enough of my rambling. Let's move on to college football. Pick 'em. And I got a treat for y'all, because I know y'all are tired of my, my rambling. You know what I'm saying? Hey, y'all. It's Obes. I'm in Madrid. That doesn't mean that Run the Play stops. It certainly doesn't. And uh, I'm sure Todd just introduced this segment. I'm saying college football. Pick them, as he likes to say. I'm going to go through the list and tell you what I think about some of these uh, upcoming big-time games. Obes is going to join us on this one. Uh, he has recorded his uh, pick'ems, and I'm going to artfully, tastefully, Insert them with my pickums. Let's get started. So UH plays Tulane on Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. Listen, I'll be real with y'all. Um, I have no idea what's gonna happen in that game. <laughs> uh, UH has had, I think, a good game plan every game they played so far, but uh, the offensive execution has been lacking, and the defense, um, even though they've actually done well relative to the amount of talent they have. They play a very frustrating bend-but-don't-break style, which is annoying to no end. Um, we beat the hell out of Tulane last year, but that was when we had an offense that was scoring like almost 50 points a game. Our offense feels like it scores like half that now, so no idea what was going to happen. Uh, you know what? Tulane by three. Yeah, sure. Never in my damn life will I ever pick Tulane to win any damn game. Okay? Ever. Houston. By score. By, by score. It'll be a close game. Utah versus USC. Number 10, Utah versus USC, who just got upset by BYU. We didn't call it, but we did mention how difficult it is for 
uh, a true freshman to go into BYU and win. Although USC blew a lead, they should have won that game. Uh, they will not win against Utah. I got Utah uh, over USC. Probably by double digits. Say by 10. Yeah, by 10. Every time Utah has been ranked in my football watching career, they've been cold. They've been ranked for a reason. I feel like certain teams like Utah and UCF and just certain teams like that, when, when they actually get ranked, I feel like that means they're really good. I haven't seen Utah play this year, but I know they probably going to whip UT, USC's ass. I wish they were playing UT because they whooped UT's ass too. But <clears throat> I continue to digress. Uh, yeah, Utah probably, probably, no, he said about 10. I'd probably say about two touchdowns, two two solid touchdowns. And if, and and my prediction is that it's not even going to look that close. I feel like USC is going to, well, it's at home for USC. It, they, they ain't going to have home field advantage, though. I bet you, I mean, it, it's not going to be a full stadium. I bet you. There's other things to do on a Friday night in LA than watch a shitty USC team. So I'm I'm I'ma say it's gonna be two touchdowns, but it's not gonna look it's not gonna be as close as the score indicates. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Michigan State versus Northwestern. Michigan State's actually favored by like ten to win this game. Not really sure why. Uh Northwestern's quarterback is well the quarterback play has been garbage thus far this year. But Michigan State's offense has been too. So, I mean, <laughs> this is a game uh, the past few years going into it, the type of defense that Michigan State has had, you'd think, oh, easy win. And the Northwestern has won, I think, at least the last two and perhaps three of the last four. So, you know what? I'm going Northwestern. Until Michigan State beats Northwestern, I just don't believe Mark D'Antonio can do it. I said on a Monday episode that this Northwestern game was going to be the real test of the season. Let me the real test of this offense. And so I hope Michigan State wins this. I'm hope I, I'm picking Michigan State by like a field goal. The reason why I say this is because I'm thinking they come off of last week's just abysmal loss. Like a game that they dominated. I mean it we're talking about over 400 yards of offense compared to like uh Arizona State's like 130 something. Until like not including that last little drive, right? They dominated them boys. So I I gotta think that they're gonna want to shake that that loss off and and come back, and and you know what I'm saying look look somewhere between the somewhere between the first game and the second game. That's why I feel like the offense is going for because I feel like 51 points. They ain't no 51 point offense, right? But I think they're also better than what they what they've shown. Points wise in the Arizona State game and like just offensively, just like in terms of yardage and stuff and in the the Tulsa game. So I, I I'll be convinced I believe in Michigan State's offense if they can score thirty points against Northwestern. If they can score thirty against Northwestern, I'll say they have a good enough offense to do some damage in the, in uh this season. But yeah, I'm gonna go Michigan State. Michigan State by like a field goal. Uh, Tennessee versus Florida, Florida. Especially since, now you hate to see it, uh, Felipe Franks got injured. He's out for the rest of the year. But he was the third best quarterback on their roster. They probably should be playing Embry Jones instead of Kyle Trask. Although Kyle Trask came in, it was a revelation against Kentucky. Uh, what was it? 19 unanswered points against Kentucky once he came into the game. And they ended up winning the game 29-21. 
So I like Florida to beat the brakes off Tennessee. I agree with Dobbs on this one. I mean, yeah, you do hate to see it, but yeah, Felipe Franks is trash. And the fact that they have two better quarterbacks on the roster, it it, it do suck. It do suck that it took that boy getting hurt uh, for them to actually play the better quarterback, which, again, I, I mean, sorry, I, I didn't mention it this episode, but I definitely mentioned it several times in the past. We got to stop coddling these, coddling these quarterbacks. We got to stop being so damn uh, political with these quarterbacks, man. All these poly, you know, you know how it is, man. Politics. If a quarterback sucks, man, a quarterback sucks, man. Play, play now somebody else. All right. I look at UH. Um, two years ago, we had Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen in in uh, summer camp had proven in spring and summer, proven. I got sources, proven to be the third best quarterback on that team. Kyle Postman should have been the starter. Uh, De'Ari King, who was coming off an injury, should have been the backup quarterback or even a redshirt candidate, depending on who you ask. Then Kyle Allen should have really never seen the field unless one of those two got hurt, okay? Play the best quarterback you got on your damn roster. If you want to win, I don't understand it. It's like, oh, well, well, we recruited him, and we said we, we're going we're gonna to play him, and, and he's, he's the senior, he got the, 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 the... Man, play your best quarterback. Play your best players. I don't understand this nonsense, man. Don't, don't let me go off on Dana again. Why the, why the hell Isaiah Chambers thirst? I digress again. I digress. <clears throat> Florida. Michigan-Wisconsin. Uh, you know what? Michigan's not that good. Oh, Wisconsin. Uh, close one. Wisconsin going to whoop some ass. Wisconsin by two scores. Auburn versus AM. Auburn is not that nice. Uh, I know Chad will disagree, but Kellen Mond is actually a pretty decent quarterback. I like AM to pull a slight upset. If Kellen Mond don't play scared like he did against who was it, Clemson, that boy looks shook. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. Maybe if he plays with, with a little more oomph, with a little more confidence, maybe, but I ain't seen it with my eyes. I ain't seen it. I'm gonna go with Auburn. I don't even. I ain't seen. I ain't seen Auburn play. I'm just go with them. I had a teammate in high school who was real big on Auburn. I ain't like the boy that much, really at all. But I feel his passion for Auburn somewhere. UCF versus Pitt. Pitt is reeling a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure what's gonna ha- what's happening with them, but UCF is out for blood, and I'm really nervous that UCF has to play them this year, given how they've looked so thus far this season. Uh, UCF big. I'm going to say by four touchdowns. UCF is a problem this year. They are a problem, okay? Luckily, we played them towards the end of the season, and I don't think they're in our division, so we could potentially lose to them and still make it to the conference championship. Thank goodness. But that we, we ain't talking about UA for now. We're talking about Pitt and how much they finna lose by. You you UCF might put that mm, UCF might put that fifty piece on. They might. Well, eh, well, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be disrespectful because Pat Narduzzi got defenses, so I ain't, I ain't gonna be no. Nah, they, they'll put thirty on them. They'll put thirty. I ain't gonna say fifty. They'll, they'll put thirty. You know what I'm saying? But Pitt ain't gonna be ain't gonna score no touchdowns really. They 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 might they might score a couple of field goals. You know, maybe a touchdown. It ain't gonna be plural. You know what I'm saying? It ain't gonna be plural touchdowns. It ain't even going to be a parenthetical S at the end of touchdown. It's going to be maybe a touchdown. That's it. And maybe a couple field goals. They're they going to get blown out, though, man. Sorry, right, man. Eesh. Washington versus BYU. 
Washington's been struggling too. You know, this 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 game is at Washington, but uh, I don't feel great about it. Washington by seven. The game is not at Washington. It's actually at BYU. BYU by seven. SMU versus TCU. TCU wins by ten. I don't know nothing about either team, so sure, TCU. Oregon versus Stanford. I like Oregon. I like Oregon. They've got a lot of speed. Uh, quarterback's been playing pretty good, Herbert. I like Oregon. I like Oregon that one. Stanford let USC, who we've seen is fraudulent, put up that photo piece on them, man. Nah, Oregon, Oregon going to drop like 50 on them boys, all right? Oregon by like four touchdowns. Stanford. Oki Light versus Texas. I really have no idea, man. <laughs> uh, Oki Light always has a good offense, but I mean, you just, you just never know, man. This is one of those games every year where Tom Herman gets arrogant and thinks that he doesn't have to prepare. You know, he's probably looking ahead to when they play Oklahoma. So, Oki Light gives a scare, but Texas wins by wins close. Closer than the experts think. The only difference between Texas versus Oklahoma State and UH versus SMU when Tom Herman was coaching Houston and we lost that game is that Texas has more talent than UH. So Texas will only lose by a field goal. And then Notre Dame versus Georgia this weekend's biggest game, number three Georgia versus number seven Notre Dame. You know what? I like Georgia to run the ball, but the Notre Dame offense is so explosive. Hmm. I'm going to flip a coin. I have a year on my pocket. I'm going to flip a coin to call it. Here, I'm digging my pocket to get it. Digging, digging, digging. There we go. All right. 20 cent side is Notre Dame. Whatever this. Whose head is that? Shakespeare, maybe? I don't know. Whoever's head that is, is Georgia. It's the head. It's Georgia. All right, there you go. This week's college football pick em by me, your man's Obes. Shout back to you. You know I love running backs. Well, my fa- well, I, I love receivers first, include which which I'll include tight ends in that because tight ends my favorite kind of kind of receiver. But running backs is a close second. You know what I'm saying? My father played running back back in high school. And he was cold, you know, and hurt his knee unfortunately. You know what I'm saying messed up his career, derailed his career, but he ended up. You know what I'm saying you know what I'm saying doing other things in Michigan State, uh, led it in in uh, varsity soccer three seasons. Um, he's balling, great athlete, ran a 10-2 in high school, all that. Georgia got them running backs, man. Georgia has them running backs. So I'm going to go with Georgia, just off of that. This concludes another episode of Run the Play. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at RunThePlayPod. You can also follow Obes and myself at the CS Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to check out 10clockproductions.com where you can find every episode of this show as well as all our other podcasts including The Chicken Social and Your Favorite Film is Trash. You can also find all our blog posts written over the years including the Your Favorite Film is Trash blog series which is the prequel to the podcast. You can follow me on my personal artistic page uh, at ChaIsNuclear on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can check my work out on NuclearKite.com new album is out came out on my birthday august 15th and it is fire you should listen to it also listen to my man z's it's part nuclear kite as well uh, his album has been out since january channel 20 is also on nuclearkite.com and his new album programs will come out in a couple months so a lot, not, lot, lot of cool things coming 
from both Ten Clock and the Good Kite. Uh, I want to give a special thanks to Obes. Uh, he's in uh, Spain, but he took some time out to uh, give us that fabulous college football pick em! And I'd like to thank y'all for uh, bearing with me through this. Uh, it's my first ever uh, solo episode of Run the Play. And so uh, y'all tell me how I did. I, I, I tried my best. And um, um, Obes should be here for the Monday episode. But if not, it's okay because I'm going to hold it down. I'm going to still hold it down do my thing. I'm going to do my thing. So uh, for Obes, this is Run the Play. Uh, subscribe, uh, you know what I'm saying? Do all that stuff. Share it with your friends. And we'll see you next time on Monday. Goodbye.